Welcome to The Breadwinners, the podcast about the never-ending hustle and its impact on all aspects of our lives. From our financial life, to our relationships, to our kids and our health, we're interested in what it takes to keep everything going. This podcast is about women, working, money, and family, and in every episode, we consider the research and share our takes on what we're learning every day about breadwinning. I'm Jennifer Owens. I write about working, wellness, and women, and founded the Working Mother Research Institute. And on most days, I'm joined by my co-host, Raquel Ellison. But on this special episode of The Breadwinners, I'm joined by Stephanie Kuntz, Director of Research and Public Education for the Council on Contemporary Families and Emeritus Faculty of History and Family Studies at the Evergreen State College in Olympia, Washington. Stephanie has edited or contributed to more than 25 books and is author of five books on gender, family, and history. And my personal favorite is A Strange Stirring, The Feminine Mystique, and American Women at the Dawn of the 1960s. And we'll include a link to that one in the show notes and and a lot of the good stuff that Stephanie works on. But all of which is to say that I'm very happy to have you with us today, Stephanie. Thank you and welcome. Oh, thank you. It's nice to talk to you again. (laughs) It's very nice to talk to you. So I have been a fan of yours for a very very, very long time. And when I need to know what's happening in terms of gender, with family, with marriage, how it all fits into context and the sociology, I always turn to you. You always set me straight. So <laughs> if you don't mind, I would love to get right down to it. Okay. And I saw a headline last week in uh, Rolling Stone of all places that quoted you and was saying that coronavirus is killing the working mother. And I thought to myself, well, sheesh, I hope not, since the vast majority of mothers work. So I thought, what a great place to start. Should we just give it up the ghost? Should we be done? What's happening with working families right now? Well, Help us. I mean, we're all <laughs> working families are all under a lot of pressure and stress. Um, and, you know, and it's not just women. And we'll come back to why this shouldn't be just seen as a women's issue. But yes, uh, women are at the forefront, uh, you know, have been yeah. for the past 200 years. Not inevitably. I always like to point out to people that the breadwinner family was a very recent invention from most of history. When a man described himself as the sole provider, he was asking for pity because his wife wasn't able to pull her full weight in the dual, really? dual provider households of the past. But for 150 years, we've been told that men are responsible for breadwinning and we're responsible for um, raising the kids, and we're the experts at that. And both men and women have internalized that to some extent. Men and women, I think, are changing their minds about it faster than employers and government are catching up with the fact that we are returning to dual provider families. And that leads to all sorts of issues even before the pandemic. And the pandemic has brought them home very, very well. Um, I mean, on the, on the one hand, uh, women uh, are, are the majority of workers in the jobs that are deemed essential. Um, right. And on the other hand, um, of course, women are the ones expected and have been expected and pressured to take time off when there are family uh, when there are family emergencies and family care. Men are uh, less likely to think they can do it. They're more likely, even when they want to do it, to be penalized at work if they do it. They tend to earn more money, so the family doesn't feel that they can afford to have the man do it. And of course, uh, I'm, I'm in a, in a handful of four or five countries in the world, we don't have paid um, maternity leave even and uh, are light years away, it seems, from paid uh, paternity leave, which is a very important uh, way of 
allowing families to combine work and family. So then on top of those pre-existing conditions, <laughs> so to speak, we get this. Yes. <laughs> yes. And we're just beginning to see how it's playing out. I mean, um, the, I think there's, it's a very, int- there's so many variations. There are people that I've talked to where uh, the woman can work from home, but the man uh, uh, can't. And that puts a lot of pressure. But there are also ones where they both have been laid off and the man is has to, um, to, to can't go into work and he has to take care of the kids because the woman has been, uh, can do her work from home. Yeah. And of course, the other thing is going on. So this is going to be an unfolding issue with lots of variations in it. Um, and of course, uh, so I, to my mind, it's a glass half full, glass half uh, empty situation, mm-hmm. uh, good news and bad news. The bad news is that um, women not only have been pressed out, pushed out by external uh, factors and the lack of family support systems uh, and this way that workforces are structured to expect this of women and pressure them into it and to do the opposite uh, for men, to pressure them into staying. But yeah. we have internalized this sense, both men and women alike, that women are more expert at these sorts of things. So women feel that they should do it. Um, they may resent it. Um, men don't even notice for years, have not even noticed the invisible work. Even men who, and men have really up their game. You know, I know we're all impatient for them to get there, but as a historian, I have to say the fact that they've tripled their amount of childcare and doubled their amount of housework in the last 40 years is a pretty fast change <laughs> in, in for sure. a period of time. But they have, uh, they tend to be much slower to about the invisible work that many of us women do in our head, you know, okay, Mm -hmm. we do this planning that, oh, they have to have the appointments, they have to do this. So here's what I think we're getting a lot of conflicting reports about what's happened to uh, especially families with young children uh, during the pandemic. For those that have had to do homeschooling, um, that part of it is the bad news part of the story. Um, it turns out that when a new job comes along that the men don't know and the women tend to think they don't know, uh, that the men don't know and that they would do oh. better at, um, that gets assigned to women. And so you've got um, conflicting studies. The New York Times found that uh, you know this, this huge discrepancy between uh, the number of men who thought they were doing homeschooling and the number of women. Well, that always seems to stay con- uh, constant. Is the um, I, I'm and I have a wonderful, supportive, very involved partner who's dealing with a uh, kid who's sick today. So you know, all love to him. But there is that that stays constant. Is the I thought I was doing it. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> Yes, and 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 that's really true. Um, you know, if they don't know the work, I mean, if I had to right, go, that's interesting. Uh, if I had to go work yeah. as a customer service agent at the airlines the way my husband did for years. I probably would think I was doing a lot of things that were getting missed, you know, because <laughs> he just gave me the general job description. So, you know, not to let them off the hook, but that the, there is that. Uh, yeah. And the bad news here is that uh, among couples where there was where they've had to take homeschooling. And this is why it could be a disaster if they have to keep doing homeschooling for a long time. Um, The women have taken that over generally. Yeah. Good news though, 
is that um, in the couples that had already started to do, uh, the men have already started to do more child work and housework, men and women both agree that the men have taken on more work since, that they are doing more. Wow. And that's our experience when we look at what happens when men work from home and what happens in countries that have good use-it-or-lose-it paternity leave in Quebec mm-hmm. and Norway and others. We find that once men start doing the invisible labor that they never saw, never even knew that women were doing, you know, thought they were yeah. helping out because they did the dishes, didn't think about what needed to be bought the next day, that sort of thing. Um, once they start doing that, that, that sticks with them. They, they do wow. years after the men go back to work in Norway, they found that the couples reported half as many arguments over housework as yeah. before. Um, they found that, um, that, that girls, uh, teenage girls born uh, to, after families uh, began to take paternity leave were assigned far less chores as teenagers than ones born before paternity leave, suggesting that the, uh, there was a norm in the family of more equality. Um, men do, <laughs> do more reading, housework. And an, yeah. interesting, and an interesting thing that really helps in terms of the external pressures that we need to explain to people, it is true that when men start taking long extended paternity leaves, they pay some of the same long-term financial prices yeah. that women do, but they found in Norway that women's ability to work more hours more than made up for this in the family finances. So all those things show the potential of what happens when you actually give women more access to the work world and men more access to the family world. It doesn't seem to increase um, the conflict. And in fact, yeah. we find that, that men are happier uh, when, when they're doing their fair share. Uh, we find that this all, that, that reports show that men and women are actually happier when they are sharing the labor. It's not, it's not, it's a win-win situation like breast milk, you know, <laughs> the more that everybody does, the more there is. <laughs> well, and that's, the uh, only, only a family researcher uses breast milk as your metaphor. <laughs> your simile, I like it. Well, and, uh, and then there's always the, um, the research that shows that when the children see that sort of behavior, it helps in all sorts of ways as they grow and they think about the ways that families are put together and they work The you know, girls grow up seeing their dad doing stuff. The boys grow up seeing their dads doing stuff. They see their mom, you, you know, all that, all that you're doing is being seen yes. by that next, that generation that's, that's watching every single thing that you do. And it's and, what, it's what the parents uh, do, not what they say that really can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, oh, I've learned that. I have teens. Yeah. <laughs> Well, sometimes nothing counts when you've got a team, but, but yeah, for sure. That, that doesn't seem to change, but I have very good teens. I, but yeah. Yeah. But um, in- so with the homeschooling is, so is that, it's the idea, geez, there's so much wrapped up in that, that um, it's part of you, I'm going to be a good mom, part of you, you're going to take on, you know, I'll figure this out, you know, all of us good girls, we're going to get it done. And, and and so a lot is some of it's driven by it's a new skill. The moms are, are wading into that morass first. I think, so. I, I think that's part of it. Um, and 
you know, I mean, here here's another piece of bad news. I don't want to be a Pollyanna on this. Okay. <laughs> another, another piece of bad news is that um, at least this um, this one research uh, report that I've read that comes out, it shows that the men who were not doing a lot around the house before the pandemic didn't do more. They did not step up to the plate afterwards. So mm. the women in those households, if they hadn't already started to recognize the need for the men hadn't for doing more, those women have been really slammed uh, by all this. You know, the other women, everybody's been slammed, the men as well as yeah. the women. And the the home the the homeschooling thing is just a really major social problem. And it's what's such a terrible thing that this was being politicized. On the one hand, we have to listen to the experts about what is safe and what is not safe. But on the other hand, it is absolutely clear that families cannot go on um, with homeschooling indefinitely. Um, they need the work of women. Um, there's, there's evidence that, that over the last 20 years, it's women's work that has made the only difference for middle-class families yes. between them stalling or even falling behind and them keeping up. Uh, so this is not, you know, like the 1950s when men's rages were rising so rapidly that you could kick women out of the workforce after World War II. And although a lot of women resented it, like my mom did, uh, yeah. you could live with it. But, but at least you could support the family on that salary, right? So, so you've got that kind of economic problem. There's the class, you know, the huge class divide in this country, which means that some um, parents are not going to be able to homeschool and that uh, you don't even have proper computers. And yeah. you also know that that social skills are just essential in school, you know, learning at yeah. this particular Oh, for age. sure, right? So we really have to figure out how to work this in a way that's both safe, but also uh, doesn't, is a Pollyannish about the fact that we can do homeschooling indefinitely. And I don't know the answers to that. That's one of the big challenges um, that we're facing. Yeah. I just uh, spoke with a uh, woman who's in charge of IT for a charter school. And uh, she was saying that it's not just the technology. Eventually they got, the city uh, was able to distribute iPads, but it's the Wi-Fi because if parents are losing their jobs, that's the bill, you know, that's one of the bills that go. And I, I just, I tell you, my brain shut off at that point because it just, it's the, the trouble upon trouble that, that, uh, you know, yeah, with, I don't have an answer for this as well, though I, I do know that just throwing open the schools and threatening to take federal funding away from any school that doesn't open is not, that one's not the answer. That is not the answer. But, I mean, one thing we learned in this pandemic, well, let's say, let's put it this way. One thing we should learn from this pandemic and is that a, the essential workers in this country, um, are the ones that have been most treated like the expendable workers in this country. And they are the ones who are, tend to be lower paid, except for the, you know, the healthcare specialists, but even the other people who work in healthcare, you know, like the custodians and the, the, the yeah. nurses aides, they're low paid. These are the essential workers whose lives have been put on the line, childcare workers. They are absolutely essential, not only for children, but for the economy as a whole to recover so that, that, families can work. Uh, and yet their, their working conditions are horrible. Their uh, pay is horrible. And if we don't 
recognize that we need to invest in a system of quality child care and quality schooling, uh, then we'll have wasted a crisis. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's not waste this crisis. Right. Like, you know, that would be nice to, I'm with you. Let's not waste the, who, well, who isn't in, in the idea? Well, but uh, so can we talk a little bit about the survey that the Council on Contemporary Families did in May? You surveyed 1,600 uh, hetero uh, families and uh, you found, you know, and you were talking to them. That's were you talking to them during the pandemic? Um, this is one of the ongoing studies that are going on and, and oh, okay. it's just beginning to pour in. Uh, another one came out a few days earlier in The New York Times and they found um, they found that men and were doing more housework and childcare, yes, but that they, the difference in homeschooling rates was greater. And then this next study that came out, uh, there were CCF researchers involved in both of these studies. So they're not like opposed to each other. It's just like bringing in little pieces yeah. so that we understand more. This next one argued that, well, let's look in, in terms of the long run, uh, let's look at what people will be doing after the pandemic is over and what they were doing before. And that's where I said the good news part of it comes, that those, those families that had begun to share childcare and housework, they uh, increased. Men, you know, men and women both reported, you know, always a little bit of difference in their perception. Yeah, yeah, uh, the perception and reality, yes. But men and women both reported that um, men had picked up there, they'd stepped up to the plate more and were doing more housework and more childcare before the pandemic, and very few, if any, uh, are doing less. Um, so they, the the people who wrote this particular piece, uh, were arguing that yes, the the homeschooling one is in fact a real problem, but for the many parents who aren't doing homeschooling, and for those people who won't be doing it after the crisis is over. This could be a long run step forward, just as we know that paternity leave is a step forward in terms yeah. of exposing men to what really goes on in the household and um, getting them to to recognize it, get accustomed to it, recognize that there are rewards in it as well as challenges. And we hope some long range change. It all depends, though, on what we do with this crisis slash opportunity that we've been handed. Um, I had to give the commencement speech for Evergreen and it was a, you know, a tremendous, um, tremendous challenge. You know, what do you tell people? Yeah. Well, yeah, what do you tell like a group of kids graduating into a pandemic? Well, what I decided to do was take as my theme a, a, a line from the uh, Stephen Vincent Benet poem um, of John Brown's body, uh, that sometimes there comes a crack in time itself. Sometimes the earth uh, sometimes the earth is moved by something blind and things that seemed as immovable as the polar star are hit by an unfathomable force. That's just, you know, paraphrase. But that's, I think, what happens when you have a crisis. And it shines the light on what's wrong. It opens opportunities for you to go in and change what's wrong. Um, the, first, the last pandemic we had 100 years ago, we did not respond well to it all. Uh, we, uh, who, 
the president campaigned on a return to normalcy and returned us to the normalcy of the Gilded Age, which helped uh, create the Depression. But the Depression and World War II crisis, we responded pretty darn well to. We set up Social Security. We set up regulations uh, to decrease inequality. Uh, we protected unions. Uh, we didn't extend it as far to blacks and women as we would have if this younger generation um, had been in charge then, but we made a good start. And for the next 40 years, um, the bottom 50% of the population, uh, their wages rose faster than the top 50%. We went in and we changed Social Security. We protected small businesses and agriculture from um uh, so there's lots of things you can do in a crisis like this. Yep. And when people ask me to predict the future, I say, well, you know, we don't need futurists. We need activists. We need people who will say, look, we can no longer tolerate the kind of racial inequality, the economic inequality and the, ch- the caregiving inequality that we have in this society. I amen to that. I, I and see now. This is why I love listening to anything that Stephanie's thinking about and talking about. So, thank you for joining us today on the Breadwinners. Uh, if you didn't guess, our guest today was Stephanie Kuntz, Director of Research and Public Education for the Council on Contemporary Families and Emeritus Faculty of History and Family Studies at the Evergreen State College in Olympia, Washington. You'll find links to everything we talked about today in the episode description, wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit us anytime at thebreadwinnerspodcast.com to ask a question, share your story, or offer some feedback. How are you making it work? We'd love to know. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review it. Let us know what you think about the breadwinners. Help us tell the stories that mean the most to you. And until next week, keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.